4, Ephesians 4, and let's, uh, we have been learning what it looks like to be the church. We've been really growing in this, that we would be a family on mission, and even what just happened right now is a lot of what God is doing. He's calling us to a greater level of maturity, of faith, but also of, as Kurt said, to give away what we've received, to be blessed and to be a blessing. This is part of what we've been learning in our journey uh, of, of becoming a family on mission and learning what it means to be the church. And so we're going to dive right into that again, and just uh, the Lord's just going to continue to speak to us about that, all right? Um, we've been learning, as you guys remember, a number of you have been with us, we've been learning that we really are, as the church, we really are brothers and sisters. That just as the Father, just as we're, if we're in Christ, we're sons and daughters of the Father. Well, if we're sons and daughters of God, we're brothers and sisters of one another, right? Not like, oh, well, that's not really my brother. Uh, it's like, this is Bob, that's a, just a dude in the church. No, 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 that's really your brother or your sister in the Lord because we're united in Christ, amen? And so we've been learning that because we're one and because we're really family, that we're called to fight for that unity. We're called to fight for the relationship. And that love always puts the other first, always puts the relationship first. We've also been learning a lot about responsibility. And it's fun for me to watch because a lot of uh, the Lord's been speaking to a number of you and many of you have shared with me with other leaders, many of us have talked about it in our small groups, that a lot of us are learning some uh, powerful stuff about what it looks like to fight for relationship. What does it look like to take responsibility? We're learning that I can't, if I'm a kidney and you're a lung, well, I can't do 50% of the kidney work and 50% of the lung work, right? If we're all members of the same body, the body of Christ, I have to be, do my part and you do your part, right? All right? It's not 50-50, it's 100%. 100%, amen? And many of us are learning. No, I need to do what God has called me to do. You do what God has called you to do. This is how it works in marriage, in families, in the church. Covenant relationship where we all do our part. So we've been learning what this looks like to fight for relationship, what it looks like to do our part, and what it looks like to love one another. And, um, uh, but the question I want to ask, or kind of what I want to talk about today is, what does that look like? And, 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 and can we flesh that out a little bit of how do we fight for the relationship? How is it that I take responsibility for my part, and how is it that you take responsibility for your part? And we're going to talk about that in terms of like seeking reconciliation in relationships and seeking to to uh, seeking that deeper intimacy in relationships. But I want to say this before I we get into the principle for today, that um, I mentioned that this that God is doing in the church. I said that I said that the church is the redemptive plan of God. That not only did Jesus die and pay for, with his blood, our sins, but that when he died on the cross, he paid for our reconciliation. That, that at the cross, it says that he made us one. That it's not just that he reconciled me to God, he reconciled us to God and us to one another. Right? Let me tell you, that truth I did not get for probably five or six years as a Christian. And yet the greatest breakthrough in my life, breakthroughs, the greatest blessing that I live in as a Christian is because Jesus paid, not just for my relationship with him, but my relationship with us. See, when I got saved at 16, I, uh, I realized, you know, when, and I won't give you the whole story, just real quick, I realized, my God, you love me. Like, you love me so much, you died for my sins, and so that I could have a relationship with you, when I realized that, I was like, I'm in. 
I told Jesus, you're worth living for. And I surrendered my life to Jesus as my Lord, okay? And so, man, I encountered God's love in, a, in an amazing way, and I, uh, I realized that I was righteous in Christ. But I would tell you straight up, I'd tell you, I trust God when I was 16, 17. I'd say, I trust God, but I don't trust people. I did not trust people. I had... Um, I didn't feel loved or understood by people, which in, in turn, if you don't trust people, and I don't mean that we trust untrustworthy people, I'm talking about trustworthy people. If you don't trust tr uh, trustworthy people, you also don't feel connected, you feel lonely, alone, right? You could be among friends, you could be in a big group like this and feel completely isolated, and many do. So that was me, that was me. I felt distant and isolated and disconnected and on my own. I also had some major issues with pride and judging other people, and I was very critical. And that just, this is not a happy place to be, by the way, right? And that doesn't foster good relationships. I didn't realize that. So, so you can imagine, I get saved, and I'm, I'm in love with Jesus. I spend lots of time with Jesus. I'm on fire for Jesus, and my relationships sucked, right? There's one, I, right? And God hasn't just restored me in my relationship with him. And he hasn't just, you know, and I've told you, the Lord has delivered me from sin and, you know, things, you know, personal bondages that the Lord has delivered me from. And that's all wonderful. But I'm telling you, I would not be married to Michelle. I wouldn't have healthy relationships in the church. I mean, some of the greatest blessings I have are the healthy relationships I have with my kids, with many of you as my friends, with my wife. I walk now, I walk in a place where I just feel at rest. I feel connected to you, but to the church. I feel connected. There is a joy, there is a peace in my, in my walk with God, in my relationships. But it came through breakthroughs that God brought to me in this area of relationships. So for example, like deep fears of rejection that I had. I didn't realize that I judged because I was afraid to be judged. I had deep offense towards God and other people. Remember one time, and many of you heard me tell this story before, I was praying through the book of Ephesians because it's about the church. I'm praying, I'm praying for the church. And Jesus came to me. I've never been more rebuked by the Lord and I've never felt more loved. Jesus showed up and he came and he said to me, I love my church. I mean, seriously, it's like I was terrified. Does it make, like, I'll tell you, I've never encountered his love more when he said that to me. It was like, wow. I mean, I, I knew he loved me, but I also knew I'm on the wrong side of this thing. Like, I seriously felt like I was just taken out to the woodshed and given a nice, good old discipline. Freaked. Now, I, seriously, it was like, oh, oh, you not happy with me right now. Because I was praying judgment. I was praying critical over the church, being critical towards the church because I was offended. I didn't trust people. And the Lord rebuked me. said, I love my church. It's kind of like, don't mess with my bride. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay. And right then I repented. I repented and I confessed that and I asked the Lord, show me, show me how to love your church. Teach me. And the Lord began to show me that the reason I had these issues of judging and pride and ambition is because I was task focused. I put my identity in accomplishing tasks. And he began to show me that I had this ambition. It was all about me and not about others. He began to show me the pride in my life. He began to show me the, the uh, fears of rejection I had. And of course, it all begins with God revealing his love to us, right? It always does it. Hey, I love you. And he began to break off those fears of rejection. He began to meet those needs like, like we were allowing the Lord to minister to us today. 
And the Lord broke off that spirit of offense in me. I'm just giving you the quick highlights. But the Lord broke off that spirit of offense where I had to walk through in forgiveness. I had to release those things to the Lord. I had to, I had to forgive family members in my life and allow the Lord, like we did today, to come in and meet that need. I had to allow the Lord to break off lies that I believed about him. I thought he was an angry God, but he was mad at me. Right? So I was, I was mad at him because, well, he's mad at me. So I'm going to be mad at him. You know, I didn't say that, but that's what goes on in our emotions. If you think God is controlling you and mad at you, it's no wonder you don't like him, you know? And so, but he, he's not that way. He loves. He's good. And the Lord broke off this spirit of offense in me. He exposed to me that I had this offense towards God, these lies that I were believing, I was believing in, this offense easily offended and angered at others. I mean, basically, my fear of rejection almost caused M- Michelle and I to, I basically self-destructed our relationship. Many of you don't know this, but we broke up before we got married. And it was only because the Lord dealt with these deep issues in my life. It's kind of, I was kind of learning it while we were dating, which is not the best. Get hold first. But, but the Lord restored the Lord restored that relationship, but he had to expose those things in my life. He had to expose those things. And so, um, all that to say, I used to have these deep fears of rejection. I used to feel disconnected. I used to have this offense in my heart. Now I don't. I mean, I'm a living testimony of what we've been talking about. The fact that I mean, I've been learning a lot in this series myself, so I, I mean, I feel like I'm on the journey with you that we're really learning how to go deeper into this reality of being a family. But I'm telling you, when I talk about things like we fight for the relationship, these are things that the Lord taught me a dozen years ago. When I talk about taking responsibility, these are things that God taught me a dozen years ago as the Lord broke these things in my life and showed me how to have healthy relationships. Do you see what I'm saying? That the reason why... I can say to you it's not, that the Lord has restored me in every way and I have these healthy relationships, these blessings in my life. It's because I've worked this stuff out. It's not easy. It's not easy, but it is his supernatural power. It takes time, but it is by his power. And I want to talk to you about um, out of that healing, out of these things that the Lord has been doing in me, I want to talk to you about how to have intimacy in our relationships whether it be us partnering together in ministry, us having friendship and openness here in the church, intimacy in marriage, I'm going to use mostly Michelle and I as an example, or between our kids and us, right? Or between you and your parent, or between us as parents with our kids. Simply this, and we're going to turn to Ephesians 4 right now, but simply this, you cannot have intimacy without honesty. What I want to talk to you about today, you cannot... Have intimacy without honesty. All right, so Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read from, um, we're not going to read too much scripture today. Uh, just in, um, in verse 11 through 16, we went through this passage a while back. I'm going to go back to it here. Verse 11 through 16 uh, is referring to Jesus. And he, Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles some to be prophets, some to evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love... may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, 
from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Paul is describing a healthy community of believers here. He's describing a body, he's using the metaphor of a body, saying that this body is healthy and whole and is functioning right because every member of the body is doing their part. They're 100%, right? And he's describing us as the church, equipped and empowered by the fivefold, uh, you know, the apostles and all that, the, the church, every person equipped and empowered to do their part, bringing us into unity. And Paul contrasts the, the immaturity of being children. Children, he's, he's referring to us being self-focused instead of other, but he's also referring to us not being grounded in truth, but being, uh, being deceived by various things. And he contrasts this immaturity, disunity and self, things that Tom was bringing up, with the, with the maturity of a healthy body that's growing because it's loving one another and everyone's doing their part. Everyone's taking responsibility. Everyone loving one another. But right there you'll notice, he mentions the immaturity in verse 14 of, hey, we're no longer going to be children when we attain to this uh, fullness in Christ. But in 15 he says, but speaking the truth in love. And he goes on to describe a healthy, growing body loving one another. So literally, Paul, and we've been talking about this. We've been talking about fighting for the unity. We've been talking about taking responsibility. And that, those, are the essential ingredients to, uh, those are essential ingredients to having intimacy and unity and healthy relationship in our marriages, in the church, etc., etc. But you notice he starts his long sentence in, ver- in verse 15 with the phrase, but speaking the truth in love. You could almost argue, you could almost say, by speaking the truth in love, the church is going to be growing. This, this phrase, speaking or speak, you know, when he says speaking the truth in love, that, that one phrase right there is an essential ingredient to intimacy. You take that out of this, this portion of scripture, and you don't have the healthy community Paul is envisioning. He just kind of threw that in there, speak the truth in love. You take that out, it's kind of like taking, you know, bake, trying to, try to bake cookies without eggs sometimes right? It's not the only ingredient, but it sure is very, very important, right? Just try it sometime. Just, just do that. And uh, you need it, okay? And this is what he's saying, that without honesty, you cannot have intimacy. What he's saying, that healthy relationships require what Paul calls speaking the truth in love. It's probably one of the most important skills and, and principles that you could walk in in relationship. Us as a church, in your marriage, and it's probably one of the most important things that has happened in Michelle's and mine marriage. And I, I want to talk to you a little bit, uh, let, me give you, let me explain what speaking the truth in love is, and I want to talk to you a little bit out of Michelle's and mine journey, and it means that I got to talk about us, not just me, right? So I got her permission to talk a little bit more vulnerably about our relationship, and so these are things that the Lord has brought breakthrough in. You know, you don't have to like go and like try to counsel her or me or anything. We walk in victory in this, okay? Uh, but these are things that Michelle and I have worked through and continue to work through. And we've learned to speak uh, the truth in love. See, a lot of times, um, <clears throat> a lot of times we don't realize that when we can't be honest, when, it, when, when for whatever reason, like if you don't feel you can be honest in a relationship, or the other person's not honest with you, sometimes we clam up because we don't want to be honest with the other person because we're afraid they're going to be angry with us. Or it could be that you just don't know how to open up and be honest. Sometimes, sometimes people just don't even know why they're angry or why they're disappointed or whatever. They just have this thing bottled up and, uh, and they don't even know why they feel how they feel. 
But for whatever reason, if we're, not into, if we're not honest, we will never be able to break through into deeper levels of intimacy and partnership. And so what happens is when people cannot be honest, when there's not what Paul says, speaking the truth in love, when it's not truth in love, relationships become distant, guarded, and passive. Right? If you don't feel that you the truth will go passive in the relationship. If the other person in the relationship doesn't feel that they can be honest and be loved and accepted for who they are, they will distance themselves. We become guarded. We become defensive. I call it the cold war in marriages. You begin to see the other person as the enemy. You begin to see the other person. And you might be living together. You might be being cordial. But there's no intimacy. There's no unity. You're just living together because there's not been truth in love. Now, there's some people they'll speak the truth, but it's not in love. And there's some people who will love, or they say they're being loving, but they're afraid to speak the truth. It's essential you have both. Both elements equal what I would call true honesty, God's kind of honesty. Many people say, no, 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 I'm just being honest, but it's, it's, it's truth without love. <clears throat> many times what people call truth, or many times what people call honesty, is really not honesty. It's very, actually, it's quite dysfunctional. And many times what we call love is not really love. So let me talk about that really quick. What, is, what does it mean that what Paul means truth in love? What does it mean to be really honest with somebody in relationship? Here's what it's not. You need to do this. You need to do that. Well, you should. Well, well you, you feel this way, and you think this, and you think that, and you feel that. Do you see the problem with that yet? Who are you talking about? The other person. Not you. That's not honesty. Because you're not talking about you. You're t- I mean, you're not talking about you. You're talking about them. And it's accusation. You're accusing them. Who's responsible for uh, their emotions? Who's responsible for their way of thinking? They are. You're not responsible for them. You're only responsible for you. This is so important in relationships. If we're going to have unity, we have to know our distinctiveness. That you are you, you are distinct, and yet you are one in this relationship. You're not responsible for the other person. You're only responsible for you. So when you're speaking truth, who can you talk about? Only you. See, speaking truth or being honest is when you take ownership and responsibility for your emotions, your thoughts, your perceptions, which might be wrong, right? Speaking the truth means you say, I feel this way. I think this. I am going through this, right? Intimacy literally means into me you see. Intimacy, right? Into me you see. And literally when you're honest and you open up your heart and you let people in and let them see your heart, when you're honest about you, Because you only know you. You don't know what they think and what they feel unless they tell you how they think and how they feel. And so speaking the truth means that you open up your heart and let them in and let them see who you are and you are honest about you, not them. And so using a lot of you statements instead of I statements is not being really honest. We'll we'll say that it's honest, but it's not. Another thing that people do a lot of times is they'll be, they'll be critical, they'll be sarcastic. This is very passive-aggressive. Like, for example, you know, you'll, uh, uh, a husband and a wife, they'll just wait till everyone else is around, and then they'll sarcastically, jokingly bring up 
something that irritates them about their spouse. That's not love, right? That's not love. That's not speaking the truth in love. That's not even really truth. That's just, that's just dealing with something sarcastically, right? Why are we sarcastic? Why do we kind of, why do we zing other people? Because we feel hurt and we feel like we can't be honest. And so we say it in a way that is, uh, pa- it's passively aggressive. We want to hurt them, right? So sarcasm and criticism and things like that that we often do, um, uh, making subtle comments or jokes and things like that, that's not honest. Honest means that you're going to be very clear and direct about what's going on in you, right? And so if somebody's hurt you, you talk about how it's affected you. You simply, you can say, hey, I feel really hurt when you say that, when you do that. You're talking about their actions as you perceive them. As you say, look, you know, whether you intended to hurt me or not, when you said that, that really hurt my feelings. See, because whether or not they intended or not, it still hurt you. And that's honest. Whether they intended to hurt you or not, you can't be the judge of that. You don't get to be the judge. And when you move from speaking the truth to being the judge and the accuser, it's no bueno. Other people, like I said, unspoken needs, unspoken wants, unspoken expectations. I don't know how to love you if you don't tell me how to love me. So oftentimes we have these unspoken expectations, needs and wants, and you never say it. And many times, husband or wife will be mad at the other. We'll say, they never do this, they never do that. And you'll even say, well, I told them once. I told them once, they should have already figured it out. No, that's not how relationships work. We communicate until we understand each other. And if they don't understand you, it may be because you're not communicating right. And so speaking the truth means that you are going to approach this person and explain to them what's really going on inside of you. Like, I have this need. I have this expectation. And you may even be wrong. You may be wrong about this expectation you have of them or this perception you have of them. And so you have to be willing to be wrong. A lot of times people want to tell you what's wrong with you and they want to be critical but they are not willing to be open to receive what's wrong with them and how they've affected you, right? Uh, or I mean, how you've affected them, I mean. And so oftentimes, uh, speaking the truth in love means you're willing to take responsibility for you as well. When you come to the person and say they've hurt you, and you're going to say, hey, by the way, I feel hurt. I feel hurt because you said this to me. Well, you've got to be ready and willing to receive the same from them. And if you're not, you will create an unsafe environment where that person won't want to be honest with you. See, if you're a person who gives advice and is, and is critical, but nobody's really coming to you and asking you, hey, you know, brother, hey, sister, can I have some, I really need your advice. If they're not coming to you, I'll tell you why. They don't feel safe. They don't feel that you will love them and accept them exactly as they are. And that's what it means to speak the truth in love. Bottom line, speaking the truth in love is creating a safe environment, space where the other can be them and you can be you where they're safe to be messed up. They're safe that they can communicate expectations, anger, perceptions, even if they're wrong. That they can say, I feel like this. And you you can say, well, it's just totally wrong. And they can say that and they know you're going to love them. Speaking the truth in love means that we, I, I, I am committed to you and I'm committed to this relationship no matter what happens. And only when somebody feels, right? It has to be mutual, of course, but only when somebody feels that you are absolutely committed to them, that you'll, they'll, you'll never leave them nor forsake them, that covenant of love, will they open up and be themselves, truly themselves. Most of us hide ourselves from others because we don't feel that we're going to be loved and accepted for who we are in our brokenness. That's why love and acceptance and that community of grace is so important. But speaking the truth in love also means that you're only going to say the truth that they need to hear. 
You're only going to say the thing that is actually going to be helpful for them and helpful for the relationship. Ask yourself, am I saying this for me or for them? Venting, dumping, pouring out on people is not love. It's for who? You. And many people who have unforgiveness in their heart, they'll keep doing it over and over and over again because guess what? The person is not the problem. Your heart is. And that's why you keep going back to the same pain. Now, if the other person continues to hurt you in that, that's a different story of unrepentance. But, but speaking the truth in love means I'm going to say what's going on in me because I'm going to speak the truth and be honest. But I'm going to say it in a way that brings our relationship forward, not backwards, which means you're not going to speak words of death. You're not going to speak words of I hate you. And Many times I've noticed this in, in marriages and in relationships that, that little arguments become these big things where people say hurtful things. That's not love. That has to be eliminated from our vocabulary. None of this, well, maybe we should get divorced. Or more subtly, I don't think this is working out. Right? I can't take this anymore. These words of uncommitment and unloyalty, disloyalty, right? Have to be stricken from our vocabulary until we speak words of love and faithfulness and it causes the other person to feel safe. But if you come at somebody with an attacking tone, you wonder, like, man, I don't, why is this person so defensive? probably because you're attacking them the only reason we get defensive is because we feel attacked if you wonder why somebody is defensive in fact if you say things like man i don't know why you know they're just not responsive they're not responsive they don't open up you know they never they don't they, they're not repentant they're, they're just always so defensive um yeah it's probably because you attack them no no they're just not responsive no you're probably not speaking the truth in love no no i'm being honest oh i told them how i feel yeah probably not in love when you communicate the truth in love, there's no reason for the other person to be defensive. Well, except for our own struggles, but we'll talk about that, right? We, we do react sometimes like, oh, no, no, no. But when you speak the truth in love, you remove any reason on your end. You're not attacking them. You're not attacking them. You're simply inviting. Listen, you're inviting them into a deeper relationship with you. You're inviting them to repent, and you're inviting them to receive your forgiveness. Hey, I feel hurt when you say that to me. I'm inviting you to say, oh, I'm sorry, and I say, I forgive you. And then the relationship moves forward. But if your agenda is really just to vent and dump and attack, it's not love. It's not for them, and it's not for the relationship. I've had people come and repent to me before. They'll say, oh, Dave, I'm so sorry. I just want to repent to you. And then they'll say, because I was saying this bad thing about you the other day. And then they'll tell me what they said. <laughs> That's not truth in love. I didn't need to hear that. Do you know that? Do you know why they said it? It's for them. They didn't say that for me. They said that for them. They said that because they want to get guilt off their chest. That's not about me. You said something mean. You need to deal with it. Speak the truth in love means you only tell me what I need to hear. You tell me what's going on in you. And you can repent. You can say, hey, Dave, I want to repent because I've had a critical spirit towards you. And I just want to repent and take ownership of that. Oh, all right. I forgive you. We're good. I'm done. Are you done? But then you tell me what you said about me. I'm like, going to mess with me, right? That's not loving. And um, so I've, just, I've experienced things like that a lot. It's funny. Okay. So speaking the truth in love means that you take responsibility and ownership for your own emotions, thoughts, and actions, and perceptions. Speaking the truth in love means that you're only responsible for you. So again, the reason why many people don't speak the truth is because you're afraid somebody will be angry at you. 
right? You say, you think loving somebody means don't share the truth with them. Well, I can't say this because they're going to be angry at me. Or I've tried already to say this, and then they, guess what? Who are you responsible for? You, right? Somebody say, me, right? Okay, so you're responsible for you. So if I share with somebody the truth in love, if I do it the way God told me to do it, speaking the truth in love, and I take responsibility for me, and I simply communicate to you out of love in a way that invites us into a deeper relationship, and the other person does not respond, or they attack me, will you do this? Or they get angry. Who's responsible for that? Not me. I did my part. Now, I mean, I don't, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to walk in that kind of pride. I just mean that, no, really. And so some of you are afraid to be open because you're afraid that so-and-so will do this or so-and-so won't do this. Either what they will or will not do. You're not responsible for that. You're only responsible to do what God has said to do and speak the truth in love. And so oftentimes, many of us are not honest because we're afraid. So it takes, it goes from both angles. Do you see what I'm saying? It takes the person who, who's, who's got something on their chest they need to get off. It takes you communicating it honestly but with love. And the same thing, the person who doesn't want to share because they're afraid, it takes you taking the risk and opening up and speaking the truth in love. And like I said, if you cannot be honest in this way, if you can't be, speak the truth in love, you will not have deeper intimacy. The relationship will get stalemate. People will grow distant, go passive in the relationship. But if you can do this, basically what we call healthy conflict resolution, if you can learn to speak the truth in love, I guarantee it will lead to a breakthrough in the relationship and in a deeper intimacy and in a greater partnership. This is the issue right here. On a day-to-day basis, if, if, if a married couple can speak the truth and love to one another and have that healthy communication, the relationship will continue to grow. But guaranteed, in any relationship, there will be hurts. There will be unmet needs. There will be things that we just don't like about what's going on or just situations. So in every marriage, I guarantee you will hit rough spots. Those of you who are single, you may not know that yet. You will hit the rough spots. You will hit places. Okay, every married couple who's been married for a period of time, you know, a longer period of time will say, oh yeah, year number this was kind of our toughest or year number that. This is, there's no math to it. There's no science to it. But there is a relationship principle that we do go through periods of estrangement or periods of conflict or periods of unmet needs. We go, and a lot of it is just because you live your life and I live my life and I'm me and you're you and I have strengths and you have weaknesses. I mean, it's a, I have strengths and weaknesses. No, that's bad. Sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Hopefully that wasn't like subconscious. Okay. So I have strengths and weaknesses. You have strengths and weaknesses, which means we're going to hurt one another at times. But also, do you know that even the word relationship or reconciliation, think about that in the Latin, relationship, reconcile all starts with re right why because the word re means again it means it literally it means to to come back into the state of having relationship again it literally means to restore which means you're moving constantly from a place of estrangement to attachment from disunity to unity you actually move through that and the person who avoids conflict or the person who does conflict in an unhealthy way dumping or blaming or that kind of thing which is unloving or untruthful you will not get that breakthrough. And I've watched it. I've watched relationships. I've watched my, Michelle and I. I've watched other people as I've counseled them or, or, or they went and got counseling. But we've, I've worked with many couples where this was the issue. I would often tell them, man, you don't talk to each other right. You know what I'm saying? You, you know, and, and, and then when they come to us, they only talk about the other person's side. Well, they did that. They did that. And go, hey, no, 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 no. What's going on here? And literally, as they learn to speak the truth in love, listen, nothing will change. Like, our character is still the same. I mean, it'll change in time. But like, I mean, like from, 
from 1135 to 1235 in one hour. Character didn't change. The relationship didn't change, but somehow there's this breakthrough and this deep intimacy that wasn't there before. And then the character, you know, can change. What changed? The truth and love. I'm telling you, it will bring the breakthrough that you need. So Michelle and I have, have, have often struggled with this kind of a thing. Um, uh, and we've had seasons where we struggled in, in, our, in our marriage. I won't give you all the stories, but two, two that really come to my mind is around, around when John David was born, so, um, so we were married for about four years, there was this distance between her and I. We loved each other, committed to each other, friends, but there was this distance, there was this wedge. You could feel it. And, um, and, 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 and it manifested different ways. Like, and when John David entered into the picture, we always kind of, we admitted it, both of us, that John David was kind of the pressure that exposed the cracks. We realized that there was something faulty in our relationship. And again, we, have, we had already worked through stuff. I mentioned to you that we had broken up and gotten back together. Well, when we got back together, a lot of reason when we got back together was because we both had dealt with some fears of rejection and we had learned to be honest. See, when, one of the reasons we broke up, uh, well, mostly, like I said, I had fears of rejection and I had a lot of issues going on in me. Uh, and, and I had expectations and anger, things that needed to be dealt with. And, and Michelle had a really hard time being honest with me and just with herself. And so it, it caused, I mean, uh, just a lot of just conflict and unresolved issues. And so what happened was even when we got together, uh, uh, when we got back together and, and the Lord restored that relationship, and then obviously we're married, <clears throat> obviously, um, it was because we had learned to begin to communicate this, this truth and love. So it's not like we hadn't been doing this. But in about that year four of marriage or four or five kind of thing, um, there was this distance that we both felt. And uh, I remember asking her, why are you mad at me? No, I'm not mad at you. I don't know what you're talking about. Right? She, didn't, she wasn't even necessarily aware of even feeling angry towards me. But I could feel a distance. I could feel a separation, right? And so we would deal with that. And it wasn't just my paranoia. Um, and uh, and I, I would get frustrated about a number of things. And, uh, uh, and often be, uh, we've, we've learned, actually, a, a, huge, a huge thing we've learned is that we both blame. We don't do it as much now. We take a lot of responsibility. A lot of this is learning to say, oh, wow, that, I was just blaming you there. You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh that's, no, that's me. Yes, that wasn't you. And so we've learned to do that, but I, we realize, like, I would be uh, frustrated with her about a number of things. And so I would go before the Lord. I mean, this is years ago, right? I would go before the Lord and just crowd to God and and uh, seek the Lord. He would just tell me all the time, man, you just need to let that go. You need to forgive, you know? And then I'm talking petty stuff, you know, a lot of times, you know, just stupid frustrations or, you know, things that I didn't feel like she was doing. Uh, I mean, she's an amazing wife, very respectful, very loving. So we're not talking about anything like major in this sense. And uh, one time we had this a conversation. We actually began to really like work through some of these things. We, we did go to counseling. And why did I do that? Why did I go to counseling? Is it because counselors are the saviors? No, it's because I'll do whatever it takes. As a spiritual leader of my home, I will fight for relationship. I don't care whatever I have to do. So, of course, I cry out to God, and he speaks to me, which, by the way, is the key. You, we need to hear God. Relationships are just complicated. We're complicated. We need to hear the Lord on these things. 
but also just going to counseling and saying, Lord, whatever it takes. And I remember I told her that. I said, I said, this is number one. I even said, we will not have more kids. I mean, I didn't mean this like in a dictatorial way, but I said, we will not, we will not have more kids until we get our relationship on. And I even said that about ministry. I said, the ministry is not first. We're first. We've got to work this out. And I wasn't saying we're leaving the ministry and I wasn't saying we're, ha- we're not having kids. It was more of a, it's just the way I, it's a fighter in me. It's like, no, we're going to fight for this, right? And I wasn't saying we're going to fight each other, but fight for this. And so one time we were having a conversation uh, at home and just one of those times where we'd have three, four hour conversation of hashing this stuff out. And it was in that time where she began to express to me like, no, I'm really hurt because you don't put me first. You know, and she began to be honest with me. They're like, yeah, I'd be happy. And then you come home and I'd have this like anger rise up in my heart. I don't even know why I feel angry when you come home. Like, whoa. (laughs) Now, let me, I want you to understand that's really hard to hear. Does that make sense? That is not an easy conversation. Speaking the truth in love is not comfortable. It's not easy. It's not fun. And it doesn't take 30 minutes. You can't do it in between commercials. I mean, in between, like during the commercial. You know what I'm saying? This is like hours. This is maybe days of working this out and disagreeing. Does that make sense? Well, that's not my responsibility. That's your responsibility. It's really working out. What is my responsibility? What have I done or not done? What have you done or not done? Is that your perception or not? And, and it's the ability to talk this out. So she came to a place where she was able to be honest with herself, honest with me, and communicate it. But like, I don't feel like you serve me. I got, and, and of course, at first I was defensive. What are you talking about? No, 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 I do this, I do that, you know, blah, 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 blah. And we talk it out. But it's not that I was being defensive in an attacking way, but like trying to understand. Then I began to get into more of that understanding mode. Okay, wait, hold on a second. So why don't you feel served? What am I not doing? What does that mean for you, right? And I began to ask the right questions. Speaking the truth in love, the love side means you listen and you want to understand. If you're just in it for you and to be right, you won't want to understand and you won't listen. You'll be thinking about what you're going to say next so you can be right. But I came to, you know, I finally kind of, you know, deflated the pride and I'm ready now. What's going on in, in, in you? She was able to communicate to me uh, that I was not putting her first, uh, you know, putting ministry first, that kind of thing, that when she had a need, that I wasn't meeting that need. And a lot of that had to go back to my identity being in work instead of relationship being first. And so I had to learn how to allow the Lord to meet, you know, break that fear that I would like lose time. You know, I got to get all this stuff done and my wife's asked me to do this. So I'm having a conflict of interest and whatever, you're, whatever you value most will win, right? That's why Jesus said you can only serve God or money. Most of us, money wins. And it's like, so she confronted me with, it's, it's, it's either you put me first or you're putting other things first. And I had to realize that I was valuing something else. That was really hard. Does it make sense? And in that moment, I repented and we dealt with that. And I have, since that time, for years, really worked on putting her first and putting her needs first. I've really worked on the things that the Lord has confronted me on about not being critical and not judging and, and letting things go. So that what's happened over the next, last number of years is, and if you can ask her, that I... The Lord has created in our home a safe place. The Lord has created in our home where she feels safe to be herself. She feels like I put her first. She feels served. And she feels that, that our home is a safe place, that she can be herself. That's something that I've had to work on in me to create that atmosphere. So she feels that no matter what she is, no matter who she is, no matter where she's at, no matter what feeling or emotion she communicates, she's safe because I love her as she is. And that's essential because unless we had that, we wouldn't be able to go to even a deeper place of intimacy, all right? 
And so even this last, about, it was last November, and we probably had one of the hardest conversations we have ever had, and I felt more hurt than I've ever had probably, well, ever in our relationship. I felt hurt, deeply hurt. And yet, through that honesty, both of us being honest, really dealing with some stuff, this last year we've never had a deeper depth of intimacy, uh, and I mean in terms of knowing one another. Literally, I feel, and we've been married almost 10 years, it's next week is our anniversary. Yeah, and I'll tell you, this depth of intimacy, it does come over time, but it comes with work, okay? I, don't, I feel like I know her deeper than I've ever known before. I know Michelle. I have seen into her because she has come to a place of a deeper level of honesty with me and I didn't even know that she wasn't being honest. Does that make sense? Now, and I don't mean honesty like she was hiding things from me. I mean honesty that she knows what's going on in her and she was able to communicate that with me because she felt safe. And so in November uh, last year, I remember saying to her, and this is very, oh, by the way, it's very difficult for me to open up, okay, trust issues, but also because, you know, uh, I've, I've dealt with anger and stuff in the past, and usually Christians, they, you know, like before they were Christians, they had anger, and so then when they become a Christian, they just try to be nice, so they bottle everything up, right? So like, oh, I don't want to be angry, I don't want to like say anything mean, so we're going to bottle it up. Well, that's not the truth in love. That's not really healthy. It's good that you're learning to be self-controlled as an angry person. It's good that you're learning not to say mean things. Uh, but you have to get to a place where you can actually say the thing that needs to be said, but in a loving way. That's healthy. So I've, had, I've, I've really oftentimes bottled up in the, in the pretense of, oh, I don't want to hurt her. But it's really because I'm scared, right? I don't know why. It's not like she's a scary person or anything. It's just me. It has nothing to do with her. It's me. And so... Oftentimes, I've, I've, I would, I'll, uh, uh, if, if I have an issue, like if I don't feel respected or I don't feel loved, I would pull away, you know? The man, I go into the man cave, get silent, get distant, that kind of a thing. And she hates that. She feels like I'm angry at her, and that's a really bad thing to communicate. And it's not, I'm not even wanting to communicate that. And so, uh, about, you know, like I said, a year ago, I, I really came to a place where I began to learn how to open up more. I began to learn I need to take risks to just kind of say it. And it's not easy for me. And so, you know, it's kind of like, be silent for a really long time and bleh, you know, just try to like say it, you just say it, you know? And I don't mean say it in a bad way. I just mean that I just have to like throw it out there really quick. And I remember opening up with her and saying, I don't feel, I feel like I'm last on the list. That's what I told her. I feel like I'm last on the list. I feel like there's, you know, we got three kids, but it was more than that. Stuff going on and uh, I was, you know, concerned about some other things going on. And I'd obviously sought the Lord about this. It's not like I was trying to come to her with something that wasn't her responsibility, something I'd sought the Lord on, and he was saying, you need to be honest. So I opened up with her. And what happened was, I didn't feel hurt at all. I didn't feel hurt. I, fe- I felt like she, what happened was, uh, my honesty invoked her own honesty. It was she didn't do anything wrong, but it invoked her honesty. And so I didn't feel hurt, and she began to tell me that she actually was, she began to be super honest with me, super honest. And she began to tell me some things that she was thinking about about me. She basically was telling me things she thought about me that I thought about her. Her perception of me. And it was totally off. There have been some things where she was blaming. Not, again, I mean because she thought something about me. There were some things. And she just got it off her chest. It was powerful. And some things going on in her. There were some things going on in her life that she was really honest with me. It was, it was awesome if, if you were seeing from the outside. But I'm receiving this. And so I told her, I told her, no, that's not true. That's not true. And I really was like, 
But I was so hurt. I was really hurt. But I want you to understand, if she couldn't be honest with me, it would never move forward. So that night, we, you know, we go to bed, and I wake up the next morning, and I go, and I spend some time with the Lord, and I was hurt. And I came before the Lord, and I said, that hurt. That was not right. Those things weren't good. Those things weren't true. And, and I asked him, you know, what do you want me to do? And there's times I've told you that the Lord would say, it's you. You're the problem. And, 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 and this time, he wasn't saying that. He said, he said, you need to be honest. You need to talk to her. Oh, I don't want to do that. You know what I'm saying? And so the Lord began to coach me. I seriously, it's like, it was like, it was one of the most powerful spiritual experiences I've had over the last number of months has been literally the Holy Spirit coaching me how to be honest. This is, you know, crazy. And uh, because I know when, when I open my mouth, I'll know I'll say it in love. I know I use I statements and all that, but it was like, I I never heard to little me up. So then she comes to me and she says, oh no, I came back to her. I think like the next night or maybe a couple nights later, you know, we're busy. Sometimes we don't get to talk, you know, right after the next day or something like that, you know. And so whenever it was the next time, I, I, I did. I did open up. It was, it was hard for me, but I said, I, said um, I just want you to know I'm really hurt by what you said. Like those things that you said, I don't think they were fair. I don't think that was true of me. And the crazy thing is, is the moment she got it off her chest, she felt better, right? And, and I'm saying, she wasn't saying the truth in, in, in unlove. She was speaking in love. She just had to expose those things. And she said, the moment you told me those things weren't true of you, she already felt better. But I felt hurt. So then I had to come back to her and say, hey, I felt really hurt by this. She was able to receive that and, 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 and what we call mutual forgiveness repentance. This is, this is just us working out issues. This isn't even like major. But let's say somebody really did hurt you and you hurt them. We call it mutual forgiveness repentance. This is part of the speaking the truth in love. And we often will say, well, they did this and they did that. But the reality is it takes two to play tennis, right? So if you hit the ball back, you're playing the game. Well, they started it. They were mean first. Yeah, but if you played, if you hit it back, you're playing the game too. Mutual forgiveness repentance means we're not going to play that, the, the game. It means stop with the blaming, stop with the being mean or whatever. And, and it, it means I'm going to say to you, I'm going to use I statements, and I'm going to say, hey, I feel hurt because you did this or because you haven't been doing this. What I'm doing is I'm inviting you to repent. And then the other person hears that and says, I'm sorry. I take responsibility for saying it that way. And so now they've repented. And then they get to communicate to me, well, when you said this, it hurt me. And now they're inviting me to repent. And I hear it. Sometimes this takes a while of asking questions. And what do you mean by that? And then you come to a place where you say, I'm sorry, I, I did hurt you. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll initiate by starting with forgiveness and then moving to the invitation of repentance. So, for example, I'll say, hey, hey, I'm really sorry, and I usually have to do this. <laughs> hey, I want to apologize for saying this. That was wrong for me to say that. Or I want to apologize, and usually it's that. I maybe make a, a, a mean comment or crit, you know, critical, and I don't mean to. It just came out you know, because we're frustrated. And I have to say, hey, I, I want to apologize for saying that. And I don't say, hey, I'm sorry, but you did this. That's not really repentance. No, I'm taking responsibility for hitting the tennis ball back or hitting it or serving. Whether I was serving or I hit it back, it's my responsibility. So I take responsibility and I I ask for forgiveness. Then we say, hey, but by the way, I do want to mention that I felt also hurt by what you said. And so now I I have repented. I have invited into repentance. She forgives and she tells me where she's hurt. And there's mutual forgiveness and repentance. That's how reconciliation works. 
And so in this situation, of, you know, back in November, I was able to communicate to her I felt hurt, and she listened and she understood. And that launched us into a season where she was deeply honest about things going on in her, in her relationship with God, in life, and everything between us. I was deeply honest with her about stuff going on. It launched us into a level of trust and intimacy and vulnerability that we'd never experienced before. Not that things were bad. Right? When I was telling you about the time when John Dave was really you know, newborn, that was like really a, a, a stalemate time. This last year has not been a, a bad thing. It's been a deepening thing. So sometimes this dynamic of speaking the truth in love is not, it may not even be an issue between you and your spouse or, or you and the person. It may be just you getting really vulnerable and letting them speak into that and be a healing agent to you. Right? It's the same thing. Like If you really want to get breakthrough it, with you and your family, like we've talked about today, that God would love you and heal you, it also is going to mean you opening up to a person you can trust and them being a healing agent to you. And so Michelle and I have gone really into this um, uh, where I've been able to say to her, and I tell you, the Holy Spirit has really coached me, and it's been you know, this whole year of just being honest and being able to communicate to her uh, even where I felt like I was last on the list. And she was able to respond to that. And so both of us have had to hear Things that are not easy to hear, whether it be a lie that you think the other person is believing, it's hard to hear that. Or something where you're not doing your part, you're not doing your 100%. There's times I haven't been doing my 100%, there's times she hasn't been doing her 100%, there's times I've blamed her, there's times she's blamed me. And, there, and we have to hear that and go, I'm sorry, I was blaming you. Or I'm sorry, I was not doing my responsibility. And both of us have had to repent at times, both of us. And there's times we actually do this, we'll actually like formally do this. Okay, I'll repent you repent, I'll forgive, I'll, you'll forgive. And we walk it through in, in communication, we'll walk it through in prayer. But I'm telling you, sometimes this takes two or three times. Sometimes you get a breakthrough, and then maybe a month later, you go even deeper, you get another breakthrough. But without, into, without honesty, you cannot have intimacy. And so if you're wondering, why do I keep having the conflict? Why, do we, why, why is it that my wife and I, we love each other, or these friends of mine, or maybe in the church, it's good, but then the same conflict always comes up. Same conflict. Or it's like the same conflict but a different, a different face, you know? Why is that? It's because you haven't spoken the truth in love. That's why. It, it's really that simple. Because you really haven't worked it through. Your goal hasn't been to see breakthrough and reconciliation and unity on this issue. Your goal has been to be right. It's not been in love. Or you probably haven't been honest. Or you wonder why you feel distant. Or why there seems to be this, this, this tension. Or why is there this sarcasm and passive aggressiveness where you just make snide comments? Why is that? Because something's inside that hasn't come out, right? Or why is there silence and, and, and unresponsiveness? Why is it that we can be, like in a marriage, physically intimate, but man, where's the friendship? Truth and love. Truth and love. And why is it that my spouse just seems so distant and, oh yeah, we're really good friends and our relationship's good, but where are they? They're not really, I don't know them because they don't feel safe. Truth and love. Truth in love. You can't have intimacy without honesty. You have to speak the truth in love. And if you do, if you do it God's way, it will bring a breakthrough. It's just true in the church. Why do sometimes people just, they get mad, and then they just disappear? Because they didn't take their responsibility to speak the truth in love. Or maybe the church didn't create an atmosphere where they could. Right? That's why creating the atmosphere of love and acceptance where everyone can be honest about their sin, everyone can be honest about the anger that they have, it's essential. And it's essential that every one of us takes responsibility and goes before God and asks God, God, what's, what's my part in this? So that when you go and you talk to somebody in the church, you don't go, you did this and you did that, but you say, hey, I was hurt. 
And when somebody tells you that they were hurt, it doesn't matter if it was their perception or it was real. They still felt hurt. Well, no, you shouldn't feel that way. That's not love. Help me to understand why you feel that way. And then if they're believing a lie, you can help them. Well, no, I, mean, I really didn't. I didn't mean to do Or a lot of times it's, hey, I didn't mean to say that in the church or in relationships. I didn't mean to say that, but I did. Or I didn't, I didn't realize that you, that you had that need. Okay? Like, uh, like Luke, Luke, I'll just, yeah, Luke uh, mentioned that, uh, that we had a, he had some issue Last week, he just mentioned it randomly. He forgot to tell you that we got, we're fine. Uh, so because he was vulnerable, I'll be vulnerable. He said, hey, he said, he said, hey, yeah, you know, I had some things towards Dave. But he told me. I'll, I'll tell you, if he didn't tell me, I wouldn't know. And I had sensed something. Because I'm, I, I, you know, I'm smart like that. I pick it up. I have my own issues. But I didn't know. And so he just said, he just straight up said it. The moment he said it, he felt better. And I said to him, I'm sorry. I'm sorry because uh, I missed it. You know? It wasn't even something I did to hurt him. It was something I didn't do. That I didn't see and I didn't understand. And I took responsibility. And then I invited him in, I invited him in our conversation into that deeper place of partnership and of vulnerability and honesty. Kurt, come on up. And so I want to challenge you to ask yourself, do I use I statements or do I use you statements? Just do that. Just all week. Just think to yourself, is I coming out of my mouth or you? If you say a lot of you's, people probably aren't safe around you. If you're saying a lot of you's, you're not speaking the truth in love. Ask yourself also, why am I bringing this up? Is my motivation healthy relationship? Is my motivation to be one with this person or to be in a healthy relationship? Or is it just about me? Why am I saying this? Is it for me or for us? And begin to ask those questions of your heart. Do I speak the truth in love? Why am I not opening up about this? Why am I afraid to share this with this person? Right? And I want to challenge you in your relationships, in your friendships, in this church, in, uh, uh, in, in your marriages, to have these risk-taking, courageous conversations. Now, what happens when someone's not repentant? It's a whole other conversation. That's a tough one. And we're not, we didn't talk about it today for a reason. But in most relationships, people want this. In most of your marriages, you might think that they're unresponsive, but they're probably not. If you'll just work this out and speak the truth in love, you'll see breakthrough.